0: Exploring the drivers in turn, we wanted to revisit the conversations and the emerging themes. This time we're joined by Gail Gorman, Chief Inspector and Chief Executive at Education Scotland. It's a reflective, honest conversation and one that challenges us to be both brave and bold. Kathleen and Gail, it's lovely to see you both. Um, this evening. Uh, Gail how
1: how's your day been? Good actually I've been uh, in Aberdeen in the office in Aberdeen all day so just busy with various meetings and connections so um, but good fine.
2: And Kathleen? Another good day for a Monday Sarah busy and um, engaging with lots of different people that always suddenly you look up and you go where did that day go so yeah that was that was a day like that today for me. <laughs>
0: So Gail, as you as we've chatted just by way of introduction, um, Kathleen and I have been uh, having various conversations with work stream leads from across the Northern Alliance and practitioners, educators um, from across the, the Northern Alliance as well, and really trying to bring to life um, the, the Northern Alliance plan. So looking at how the work of Michael Fullan has Uh, guided the the Northern Alliance plan in different phases and this is phase four I I think I believe Um, and so we've had real opportunity to get into each of those drivers in different in different ways Um, and this conversation is is an opportunity for us to reflect on the themes that are emerging and I guess to to have an opportunity to think about what that means both within the Northern Alliance and how it connects and resonates beyond the Northern Alliance as well and thinking about where we are, I guess, on that journey of reform um, at the moment. But Kathleen, can I start by asking you, um, how has the experience been for you in terms of having these conversations and what are you noticing as key themes that are emerging?
2: It's been such an interesting five episodes, um, Sarah. It's just really helped to consolidate our thinking around, big meaty words like collaboration I mean, we're a regional improvement collaborative our businesses to bring about improvement through collaboration so to be able to listen to conversations and be part of conversations around that very theme um, has been so interesting and, and and unpicking what that word means to know that it actually it brings to life uh the human side of improvement that without our will without our motivation and our passion and our drive and our moral purpose, um, collaboration is just another word. So, very much that came across. It was, you know, even starting with a conversation with Pauline, and we talked about um, our professional values, um, um, elements that really resonated there around the purpose of collaboration to improve outcomes for our learners thinking about a conversation with Fiona and Kirsty, it was just bursting full of energy and enthusiasm. That moral purpose came out really strongly there, deepening those connections to wellbeing and learning. Um, And and very much uh, thinking about what matters to me, that question that we, we took to colleagues across the Northern Alliance as part of our engagement sessions. That was not a flippant question. That was a question that was in order to connect with people's hearts as well as their minds. What's important to me in my setting and in my context? But alongside that, it was about creating the conditions for meaningful collaboration that came through as well. The challenges that 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 presents, because it's all very well having that will and that motivation and that drive. But we also need to be able to, have a safe space to to connect and collaborate with one another. So being in a psychologically safe place, Bernadette and Sue talked a lot about that, that trust, um, but also um, being able to find space and time in a really busy lives. What do, we, what do we set aside? What do we no longer do to build in space and time for meaningful collaboration? Um, we talked about that with Mike and and David and um, Paul in our discussions around systemness there. We also talked about um, the the importance of understanding meaningful collaboration and what it means to do that. And that's something that Anne's taken forward within the social intelligence work stream, Um, understanding what we need to meaningfully collaborate Mm -hmm. Uh, recognizing all those elements and pulling them all together and building a sense of collective efficacy. So the word collaboration, we really (laughs) shook it out and teased it out and and built a a, a kind of real understanding of, of what that means to us in the North. And and hopefully across Scotland, because it'd be really interesting to hear Gail's perspective around that and being clear about what it means to meaningfully collaborate, both with our hearts and our minds.
0: Yeah. And I guess from your perspective, you've been very involved in the whole process. You've been living and breathing the right drivers (laughs) and all that that means for quite some time. How was it for you to... To witness those conversations, I suppose, and to hear those conversations from a slightly different perspective—really
2: powerful. Um, it, it, it was it validated the risky because you know when you do anything that's a wee bit different, it's it's risky, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good risk because if you if it strikes with your values and it's it strikes your moral purpose, but it also strikes with your your um, understanding of of education and people Um, so as a as a team and as a rec we probably did do something a bit different Mm -hmm. oh my goodness wasn't it just justified through those Mm -hmm. conversations when we listened to people talking about the vision for the plan moving forward what people are excited about what connects with people um, and also that sense of, of the potential that it has. Listening to David and Paul from Dunoon um, from talking about the excitement that they had um, for the potential of how uh, collaborative working and working in a regional way can support them at school level and building their systemness and expanding their sense of systemness. Um, but also for the likes of Anne talking about social intelligence as being that how how we take forward so so we've got lots of thoughts, that deepening of the connections to well-being and learning. How are we going to achieve that? We're going to achieve that by working together and building that sense of shared responsibility yeah. for improving outcomes for our learners. Yeah.
0: Um, And as you touched on, you know, regional improvement collaboratives have got that word collaborative um, in their in their very name. And I suppose you've got that perspective across the Northern Alliance. But Gail, what do you notice or how does that resonate with your experience kind of more broadly and and nationally?
1: Uh, Very much so. And, you know, it's always good to, to start a conversation where, you know, we've been using the words hearts, minds, passion, moral purpose, drive collaboration connection and trust that's really what you've just summed, mm-hmm. summed up there and and for me that's um kind of where i begin to see things moving to and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's been a lot of noise as we all know in the system about regional improvement collaboratives yeah. um, and it's a really important feature of our of our improving system mm-hmm. um, but there's lots of collaboration in, in, in other ways as well so it's good to see that collaboration and that Trust paradigm kind of moving forward. So, you know, just an kind of example is we're doing some work um, with ADAS um, around collaborative improvement, and that's been really well received and is kind of gaining traction. And that involves work, you know, collaborative improvement work involves colleagues from Education Scotland, ADAS, but the host authority and some partner authorities working together on a theme, providing a support and challenge um, with a, a view to, as, as Kathleen said there, the outcome is improving performance, improving outcomes for our young people. And, you know, over a three-year period, you know, all authorities will be involved. And I remember when we kind of started talking about this a few years ago, you know, there were quite a few people throwing their hands up in horror <laughs> about what was this about? But actually, we've done much more than we thought we could. We've done 19 of the 32 already have been completed. Um, and our reports prepared collaboratively, collectively, actions agreed and followed up and everyone's been so, all, all the people involved, whether they were the authority themselves, those fellows and networked people joining my own team have talked about the impact it's had and the benefits, the positive benefits it's had about creating a learning culture and a learning, honest, open kind of, kind of dialogue and such as the level of the interest really in the successful partnership work that there's a national in the learning session which is going to take place um, and was asked for by, by local authority lead officers working in, in the ADAS networks
0: mm-hmm. so there's
1: lots of you know those emerging um, collaboratives both formal and informal but I think really we need to try and nurture we need to try and help grow um, so that the different and complex layers in our system are actually truly um, collaborating. You know, there's an activity going on in the Northern Alliance this week in Murray. it's the Collaborative Improvement Work, and they're looking at how do they raise attain- attainment and achievement of all the children and young people in Murray through delivery of high quality curriculum. Mm-hmm. Really looking at their desires of talents and future needs for the world that, you know, young people in Murray and across. Scotland will need. So, you know, we've done similar work across Scotland with Borders, with Highland and Clark, Clark So there's lots of work going on. And I think exposing and opening up our traditional classroom doors, whether they be a classroom or a local authority, um, is really, really important. Um, we know from, you know, Philan's work, but also from, from from the drivers, but also from wider work, that without that, trust that drives the moral purpose. We don't actually drive things forward. And I know that that's been a real feature since um, my very close uh, alliance with the Northern Alliance in terms of, you know, I know, you know, we've had literacy programs in the Northern Alliance that continue, the small schools mass collaboration, where you're looking to share practice and ideas. You know, I know there's joint working on at the moment around PEF with the attainment advisors. and and direct support for schools in in the Northern Alliance and and, you know things like Highland having their learner participation events and so there's some really good work going on but for me also the other step in it is seeing the cross-RIC collaboration that's now taking place and you know Northern Alliance and the Southeast Improvement Collaborative are looking at a really good partnership the whole country's learning from in terms of data for improvement Mm. Um, and it's really important and you've used work with with the drivers we've used in Education Scotland, our northern team that are linked to the the Northern Alliance, are using those to frame their own work to support the Northern Alliance and the local authorities within it. Now that only comes out of true collaboration, and we had a phrase we used at the very beginning of the Northern Alliance, before RICs were invented, (laughs) about a coalition of the willing about actually there being a coalition of the willing, and that was why it had worked so well, and I think continues to work so well. And if we could capture that and make sure it continues to grow and we nurture it across Scotland, I think then you know, we, we will truly see collaborative and collective practice. Mm.
0: You, you mentioned trust a, a few times there, and I guess that, that trust is is key. Um, I often describe trust as the glue that holds things together because that's what connects us. It's like the connective tissue, isn't it? So if we're to nurture this collaboration in its widest sense, what, what more do we need to do? What, what sense do
1: you get about what we need to do more of? I think that's the challenge. It always is, isn't it? The how. So, yeah. you know, we can all sign up to this. I think as educators, you know, we believe in social justice and so we wouldn't be doing the jobs we're doing. So we, we always want to drive that forward. For me to build the trust, I think people have to let go of some things, all of us in the system. And again, it takes me back, I'm you know, having memories of, of meetings in Inverness with various colleagues at the time, and we we're talking about what do we need to let go of to get the greater gain? And I think given the complex nature of the governments of Scottish education, you know, with national government, with organizations like Education Scotland, SQA, others, Local authorities, then regional improvement collaboratives, or whichever way around you want to put that, because they're a subset of one or the other, Mm -hmm. and schools, etc. I think it is a complex organisational map when you try. We often have visitors from overseas and we try and explain it to them, and they are often confused (laughs) and talk about duplication. But we try to talk about the complementary nature that that could have. Now, we haven't got that right, and that's what I think everyone's hopes of reform will Mm -hmm. be, is that we do that. But as as many of you know, know, I've been a great uh, believer and driver in terms of empowerment. And I really think there's something we have to shift to make sure that the trust is with practitioners and the establishments and the trust is local. And then from local you build to regional and from regional we build to national. I think too often uh, in Scotland, we've got stuck in a, a false dichotomy around that, top down, bottom up. I hate those phrases, but people use them. So for me, it's about how do you create that power shift? Everyone would sign up to it. I think all the layers, different people, but the delivery of it is something different. So for me, that's how you create trust is we have to listen to the voice not only of the practitioner, but to the children, young people and learners and see if we can we can turn the circle in a different direction. Um, because I don't think it's there at the moment and there are too many, Scotland's a small country and there's a lot of players and sometimes there are too many tensions between them. Um, and it's gotta be, what, what can I give away to allow someone else to step into that space? What do you need to stop doing because someone else does it better? Yeah. And, and it's those kind of conversations. I think we're all hopeful in the national discussion we're all hopeful things like the national discussion obviously all the different forms and reviews that are going on that that will be the outcome but I think we've got to fight hard for it Mm -hmm. and I think we've got to trust because I think it's too easy to um shape something that promises that but doesn't deliver I think we're all long enough in the tooth to have seen that too many times before yeah yeah Kathleen how
0: does that how does that resonate how does that feel for you
2: Yeah, I'm thinking of a a, a statement that Bernadette made in our discussion around quality investment. She talked about seeking out the right people and the right voices are heard. And, And it's that active action that we take to make sure that we've got that diversity of voice across our system and that it's not just the same voices that are heard because things won't change. Um, and it's because there is that distrust uh, for some people, particularly some of our young young people, our learners, who may not feel that their voices should be heard or that they, they have a place at the table, but we can't improve things unless all our voices are heard. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for our, our educators as well. It doesn't matter where we are in the system, we have a contribution to make. And that's part of the work of the right drivers is that not only... Are we invited to have a voice, but that we should feel a sense of responsibility to make things better, that we all should be part of that um, ambition and drive to make things better. So what's in it for me moves to what's in it for us and that we've got that collective responsibility, very much part of that systemless work stream that that David and and Paul and um, Mike were talking about. So, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and also with trust, how we build that, and we go back to the beginning of the conversation about those relationships that, we, that, that are so important, that we have to pay attention to those relationships, that they don't just happen. And it's the how that's key here, that we pay attention and are mindful of those small steps that we take to build those relationships, to build that trust to build that collective responsibility. And so that's very much how we see things in the Northern Alliance, that full gambit. We talked a wee bit about our strategy that we use, that connect, collaborate, building those shared ideas and shared theories, how we're trying them out and testing them. And um, Gail talked a wee bit about that that commitment to data for improvement Um, and then, that's when together we can we can share that understanding of what works and what is indeed improving outcomes for our learners so it's the full gambit and we can't neglect any one of those processes we have to we have to pay attention to and nurture each one of those steps in order for us to be able to make that improvement and and that's where the regional improvement collaboratives can be so powerful because we are able to facilitate that connecting of the golden threads, understanding where there are intersections that unite all of us in our regions and our local authorities and in our, in our teams. And where we can come together and, and work together. As, as Gail said, it's not about doing every single thing. If you remember, David's um, sorry, um, Paul talked about, saying they like to be able to produce all of their professional learning resources in-house, but that's a low-lying fruit. And perhaps that's something that they need to then say, let's move on and look what else, what other people are doing well that we can use that frees up time for us. That's the same. By looking at these common goals of common intersections, we come together and we work together on the things that unite all of us. So, is that we're not all working in our silos, doing the same thing over and over again?
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 just to add to that, Kathleen, I think that's where you know the strength of a small system, but sometimes the weakness of a small system uh, is that you know everybody's trying to be all things to all people, as you see, And actually, as a system, we don't have the capacity or resource to do that—human as well as other resource. And and just looking at the you know the tremendous pressures are out there in our system at the moment in terms of workload in terms of time capacity etc actually we can't we have to address this and then it will help everyone um but it will have you know the the right connectedness around it to make sure that you know there aren't gaps there aren't holes in that system but a system our size can't can't maintain duplication and overlap Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you know we see that so often particularly
2: in the Northern Alliance when we've got our very small schools um, where it can't just be the head teacher leading improvement, it has to be a team effort. That improvement has to come from within with everyone working together. Um, and, And that's where we see the power of that, building that collective responsibility and building that collective efficacy. So whilst we're talking about countries and regions, Actually, it's as relevant at school level and class level as 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 a mighty country.
0: Yeah, you're you're making me think of the the work of James Clear on atomic habits and this idea of being in motion and being in action. And that actually motion is the sort of the busyness. It feels good. It feels like you're busy, you're doing stuff, you're being productive. But actually it's the action that leads to to the outcomes, and I guess we've we've touched on this a little bit Kathleen in the conversations we've had around. How do we make sure the temperature of that collaboration is right in order to lead to impact, so it can be warm and comfortable and cozy and not lead to impact so we've got that sort of that tension and that nuance I suppose so what what are you doing or what will you do within the Northern Alliance to ensure that that collaboration that's being invested in and is is so integral to all the drivers and all the parts of the plan how do we make sure that that's not just motion although motion is important but it's action as well and it leads to impact.
2: We know that the the drivers all feed into one another and and um, when we look at that concept of the human paradigm you rightly reminded us that the social intelligence driver uh, its nickname is limitless Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and so that is hopeful to us that we have got this limitless limitless potential to improve but yes you're right we need to make sure that the, the action and the activity actually does lead to improvement. And so um, it always it always reminds me of Alma Harris talking about um, collaboration is nothing without impact. Mm-hmm. So how are we making sure that our working together is leading to improvement? And we talked, talked a wee bit about the strategy before, but it is about that attention to how do we know the changes we're making are actually leading to improvement so the work of Vivianne Robinson is very much a key driver building that shared understanding well firstly what's the problem because sometimes we generate problems that aren't actually problems so what's the problem and how do we know it's the problem what evidence what is the data telling us that, that it is indeed a problem so what's the evidence and then what's our shared theory of that problem? How, do, how are we building that shared understanding that there is actually a problem and that, that we've got this theory for improvement and how we share it? And that's got to dig down into our trust again and our beliefs as humans. And then comes the systemy bit where we start to plan out how we're going to take forward a set of actions to bring about improvement to that problem and then having measures that help us to understand really relevant and meaningful measures to help us to understand whether that, those changes that we're making in that activity is leading to improvement and so we've worked really hard to develop that as a team and we're taking that approach to the networks that we're working with and so As part of that process, we're very much focused on a collaborative inquiry type process. So all of those um, different networks are working towards that collaborative inquiry, having a shared theory for action, testing out that theory in our different contexts, whether we are a nursery in Harris, or whether we are a large school in Murray, um, or we're a CLD team in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. We're all using a similar model to to test out our theories within our different contexts, and then gain some learning from that. and And we working we're working with our Education Scotland colleagues, some of in the North team, some of them in the National team, um, as part of that process as well. So that so we're unpacking that. And as as Gail said, we are also working across our RICs. Yeah. So the Data for Improvement Network, we're looking at. Um, using effective use of PEF, because that's a big challenge, people making sure that that PEF resource is being used effectively to improve outcomes for learners, and also grappling with that first level literacy barrier, which seems to be a real sticking point for colleagues across Scotland. Um, and we are looking at that in the north and in the southeast as well. So understanding, being clear about our theories, our ideas for change are actually leading to improvement. And I think another really important part of this is that we're testing over time. So we're taking temperature checks frequently. And, and in the, the traditional model of where we tried, we we got a theory and we plucked it out of thin air and we thought that it was a good idea, we we would go gung-ho towards it, and then come to the end of the improvement cycle, come about March, April, towards May, when we're starting to report on that, we would see what what, what impact it had. And sometimes it didn't have any impact. And, and we just don't have time for that anymore. And our learners don't have time for that. So we need to be able to have those regular check-ins to make sure that we are actually making that difference and making that improvement. So it's that human side of things we were building that will and that excitement and that um moral purpose and connecting with our hearts but also our heads when we're using those systems and processes to make sure that the investments that we make in our time and our resources and our money actually do make a difference yeah
0: and i and that ties directly back into james clear as well who says that we don't remember the quote exactly but we don't fall at the level of our goals but we fall at the level of our systems to support the habits around achieving those goals Um, and Gail you said earlier in terms of the collaborative improvement you've done more than you than you thought you would or you thought that you could you've kind of got further than you you thought I'm just wondering if you were to think back to the very beginning of RICS and where you might be at this point
1: where are you it's an interesting place um, because I would have hoped, if I'm honest, that things would have been further developed mm-hmm. um, nationally uh, uh, in a more consistent manner. Yeah. But I should have known, because we all know this, you know, that um, local circumstances, um, local context, outstrips everything else. You know, it's that old adage about culture and, and locality. But also, I think some of it was to do with, you um, how ideas are born, if I put it that way. So, you know, I think I mentioned earlier about the Northern Alliance at the beginning, along with a couple others being the Coalition of the Willing. I think when something appears, even if it's not intended in that way to be imposed, then there's a kind of resistance that happens. And you have to do that, you know, all that team building, forming and storming, all the trust paradigm. Yeah, it takes a while to build that. And so RICs have developed at different stages with... Sparks and starts and stops um and that's fine that's okay so it's about the journey it's about what kathleen described earlier on in terms of the process about um you know focusing in on you know what do we is this the right problem is that what is our theory uh, so what's our theory of change and how do you take that forward and you know we always use a quote about you know if we don't take if we don't take people with us like our profession or our learners with us actually you know you, you're, it's not going anywhere so I think RICs have come a long, long way. Um, I think some of the uncertainties that have been around funding for RICs, as you well know, um, has, has made sometimes the continuity and the development mm-hmm. difficult. We're, hoping, you know, we're coming to a phase where you know, more certainty around that, more clarity around that, hopefully some longer-term um, funding announcements from government would really help with that. Because you know sometimes just the leadership of different systems, of different elements, different programs, and different RICs, has been almost like a revolving door because of that uncertainty around funding and just the, the model. Um, but for me, the, the biggest change that I think is making this more embedded and, and, and really will help us move forward is the, the sort of work that the Northern Alliance and a, and a couple of the other um, RICs are really leading in terms of the ownership of the work being from the profession, from the schools, from the establishments, from the you know, CLD, from wherever it comes from, that actually you've gone out and asked, you know, what are your challenges? What are your issues? What do you need to help? And then those practitioners have constructed ideas, theories, tests of change, um, collaborative inquiry to address that and then shared the learning. And if you look at the research as, 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 you know, you guys do on a regular basis, that's actually what leads to our most improved systems. Um, So how do we build on that momentum take it even further and make sure that, particularly in the context we're in currently of such huge change in every arena in Scottish education, you know, how do we make sure that you hold on? I talked to my team, I thought about holding on to the mast of the ship in the middle of a storm. You've got to hold on to the mast of the ship and actually um, batten down the hatches and all those analogies, I'll stop using (laughs) now. (laughs) It's really important. And what I'm always heartened by um, when I'm out in schools is that actually, you know, that mast of the ship is our children and young people and schools at the chalk face, shows my age there, at the interactive whiteboard face, actually are doing that. So you've got to have the balance of, you know, the theory, the approach. But for me, the other bit that you began to touch on there was I think for the first time as well, we now, you know, have something to be able to nationally look at the impact. And I think it's it's double-sided because, you know, we all believe in the values of Scottish education. We believe in the professionalism and the trust, and I passionately believe in that. But when I came back to Scotland, having been in England, you know, down the dark side, having been down there, um, I remember being quite shocked by the lack of comparative data um, for improvement, not for judgment, not for blame, for improvement. And to be able to say, well, we've invested all this money in this, you know, at a local authority level, actually. So what was the outcome? Now, in some local authorities at the time, you were able to do that, but in an awful lot you weren't. And, and what you couldn't do was compare cross authorities. And that was, you know, one of the other reasons the the Alliance came together is that we were wanting to do that. So now, you know, recently brought in, obviously there's the straight teams and the work around that, but those used properly to evaluate impact as a learning tool, not as a judgment on the system or, or areas or schools, applied with things like the logic model, which you know is at the heart of Scottish attainment challenge that I know have been there, and feedback and discussion and evaluative case study work with children, young people, parents, everyone involved in the system. But if we could particularly, you know, not be, not be, anti, not be anti-data, you know, data literacy, Data for a purpose, for improvement. I remember I always used to talk about when you put graphs up of, you know, various attainment and people didn't like me using the word attainment. You know, big argument in Scotland, achievement, attainment. And actually people elsewhere had moved on from that. But also seeing each one of these dots as a young person, that's Maisie, that's David, that's for here actually stopped the tensions in the room because actually should we expect more for them, should we be de- developing? And now I think we'll have national comparative data sets used in the right way and that is my caveat used in the right way not for the front page of the you know daily mail actually allows you know to build on what kathleen said and the work that you're doing because you can look at how is that giving me more information helping my learning helping system learning to know what works and what doesn't and to be blunt also to know where's best to spend our resource Because, you know, we go down a lot of black holes in education that people have already investigated and the collaboration helps us stop doing that because we look at what's worked elsewhere and what the learning is and investigate the theory. But equally, if we can see the impact and just as importantly, lack of impact, then hopefully we can collectively as a system learn from that and and improve in a more rapid way than perhaps the early foothills of of this work has done. Mm -hmm.
0: Kathleen, how does that
2: relate with your own experience around around data? Yeah, absolutely. and the, the one of the key barriers to to using data is is that kind of sense of being judged and um that fear and and you know my journey with data, I remember being a head teacher and going, oh. <laughs> really don't like data but it's something i'm going to have to be taking forward and and that's when i really pushed myself to understand uh how effectively we can use it and and it's over that time of getting over my own preconceived notions of data and and powering through that that, that i began to really see it as a real strength as something that could really help me improve outcomes for the learners that i was working with and and for my colleagues and i to be able to engage with and it's over that time that um you know that that's what's clear is that our yeah our worries at at that fear of judgment is the biggest barrier of all and if we can break that down and we keep talking about trust and psychologically safe places We can factor that in as a key element of working with data for improvement so some of the work that we're doing with the southeast rec is about um, building that will for engaging with data and alongside that the processes that help us to do that more effectively so again we're going back to that. Hearts and minds. So building the will and building the processes and sharing the processes to help us do that more effectively. And then alongside that, it's about what is what is the data that we need to access to help us understand how we're improving outcomes for our own learners and empowering our schools and our and our and our educators and our learners to capture the right data to help them understand how to better plan out their their own improvement. Um, But also the the last bit there is about how accessible our data is. Oh my goodness, how many barriers are up against accessibility of data? So we're taking on that mighty challenge of trying to break down some of those barriers and make our data more accessible. And we've got a really ambitious long-term of creating a system that can be accessible to all and that gets over some of those hurdles. But we're starting small with some of the data that already is accessible in principle, but not necessarily in practice. So how are we um, taking forward that in the short term and making it more accessible to folks that are, are working with learners across our system? So that's exciting. So it's that it's going back to the heart and the mind again. So building that will. I always think, um, you know, I, I, I went through the Scottish Improvement Leader Training with Nez and that was a really fun, it was actually career changing in the sense of, 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 of using data. I always remember there was a wee Venn diagram. It was really basic, but um, it had three points. It had building will and it had the ideas that's an important part of the improvement process and then there was the implementation having that knowledge and understanding of improvement and subject matter expertise because as as educators we have that subject matter expertise as well as building that confidence around the systems and processes that can help us and then if you bring that all together the magic comes in the middle that's where we get that quality improvement so whenever paying attention to the data for improvement project it's not just about the shiny tool at the end it's about how we're building that will and 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 making data much more um yeah seen as being a much more helpful process as part of our journey to and outcomes for our learners
0: mm. and i guess data is Part of the treasure, and Michael describes the the drivers as a as a treasure map, and data is a part of that. And Gail, you talked about that real ownership of of the journey and ownership of the of the plan and the actions that you take from that data or from that that treasure. And I guess, and as you touched on, that really requires a degree of agency um not just in the adults in the system but actually from our from our children our young people our learners as as well and um in one of the the conversations I've had with Michael in, in the past for for the Changing Conversations podcast he talks about we need in Scotland this moonshot oomph um and it was a phrase that really kind of resonated with the people that were there I think it was a live conversation we had and I suppose I'm intrigued to get your perspective of do you know, how do we, how do we realize that moonshot oomph? What do we, what do we need? How do we bring that into, into being? We got the magic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure we got the magic. Um, yeah, I love that phrase as well. I just love the practicality of it and the, 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 the debate it stimulates um, as well. Um, I don't think there's ever been a better time than now to mm. take the opportunity through the forum to transform our education system that leads to that outcome. Yeah. Um, it's a real opportunity for Scotland to be absolutely ambitious and, and ensure that, the, you know, we, we've got the educational landscape right, clear roles and responsibilities for everyone at every layer in the system, including our learners, you know, on the whole way through. So, you know, putting education reform to kind of one side, we've, we've got the opportunity to learn from so many recent reports, I know many of us may say too many, um, but different proportion of reviews that have been undertaken. You know, the OECD, the Stobart review, Muir national discussion, Women in Enterprise review, Skills De- Delivery review, the Hayward report that will come coming out, and, and many more. And I think my my aspiration and wish for that is that you you have to look at those in the round because our children and young people, our learners, pass through all of them and are touched in some way by all of them. And actually, what I get a bit worried about is when things like that either get compartmentalised into the individual reports and reviews, or even worse, into individual recommendations and elements of them. And actually, we know whole systemness. Systemness is about the connectedness. It's about the the, the join-up. And so I think there's an opportunity if we we believe in evidence-based practice. Here's a huge wealth of evidence. International-based evidence, looking with a lens on our system, a successful system that's trying to improve, and that's relatively unique as well to have such so many reviews and approaches in a system that wants to go from good to great. So I think you know that moonshot oomph is about bringing that together in its totality, being able to have the brave conversations because if we started with a blank page. I'm not sure we'd design any of the bits of the system we've got now, but, we can, we don't, but we've We got to be realistic, we don't have a blank page, children have got to learn every day, we want our kids, especially at the moment, to have as rich an experience as they can, but if we could bring all those pieces of work together, and actually as a system respond to them collectively, and that means sometimes putting aside political pressure for how you're going to respond to that, where's the response to this, how are you going to do an action plan, Take the general themes, much like you've been doing through the the, the work uh, with the drivers. Take the general themes, really focus in on those that will make the biggest difference using our theories and and reflections about what makes a difference, and then come out with a collective vision, purpose, and narrative for Scottish education. Then I think we've got a chance of the moonshot. My sleepless nights, three o'clock in the morning, wake up things we all have is that actually it's easier to take bites of the, of, of the apple rather than actually swallow the whole thing. Mm. And there's a risk in that. There's a risk in that it's a way, the learner journey is already disjointed for many of our young people. That becomes more disjointed, it becomes more difficult. Now we can't do all of the change at the same time, but we can create the vision, the journey and the direction, and then you can create the actions in a timeline and a sequence that the system and children and young people are not at risk from. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got to be brave. And we've got to be bold as a country and collectively sign up to that um and that will will get us where we'd all like to be i hope but that's that's a very big ask and i'm not saying i I'm, I'm not sure that's that's going to be where we end up but i i hope my aspiration is that it is
0: yeah and what might enable that braveness you know what do we need to be that brave or to be that bold
1: I think we need freedom and flexibility. Um, now that doesn't mean experimenting with other people's children, our most valuable asset in the world and our biggest responsibility. It means freedom and flexibility to explore what would look different, how would it look different, and for people, I suppose come back to what I said earlier, for people to let go of their own elements of that and to be brave and bold and to say, actually, do we need to get out of the way to make this possible? And that takes a mature system. It takes a mature system with trust, with all the elements we've talked about, that puts children and young people at its heart, which I do believe Scottish education absolutely does. So if we could, you know, park people's current roles and responsibilities or views, and actually really concentrate on that bigger shared outcome, we could. Do, but, but people have the whole system has to do that. And that includes at an agency level, uh, you know, locally saying, "Okay, this isn't. I'm not not participating in this. This is about what I do. How do I improve the outcomes for my learners? How do I improve this with my school, in my cluster, in, in you know the ESG? How do I improve that in the local authority? What's my role in it?" Equally as much as perhaps governments and saying, "Actually, let's step back from our role in this and how do we facilitate and empower and allow that to take place?" So. There's not it's not an easy it's, you know, it's not like you throw money at something it will change because we know even when there's any money but even when there was money that didn't change so i think it's more about it's the cultural bit and if you lead through all of those reports and reviews which you all will, will, will have done in various ways that's the recurrent theme mm-hmm. and my worry is that we address structures and we address elements and tinker with bits of it and actually The root and branch bit in the middle about culture and the ways of working is the bit that we don't address, and we end up with just a different design tablecloth.
0: Yeah, I suppose it it comes back to almost where we started around connection and deepening those connections in order to think differently. And and Michael's got lots of phrases that I can't pull out at the moment because I can can't remember them. But that's that bit about connecting laterally. I think is is coming to mind here, where we can pull all of that together Kathleen what's coming up for you as you're listening
2: there's something about that phrase that Michael uses he says go slow to go fast and we need to be able to build um the, the strong foundations and that is about as focus and direction so um, running alongside, Uh, the right drivers is is Fulham and Quinn's work around coherence and how we build that coherence and an important part of that is focusing direction and we're hoping that in this uh, landscape that we find ourselves in across Scotland there is that united kind of drive towards improving outcomes for our learners being that focused direction that moral purpose But if we spend time, just as you said, Gail, if we spend time to really pay attention to building that sense of collective efficacy, how are we doing that in our schools? How are we doing that in our local authorities? How are we doing that across our regions and across the country? My goodness, we talked about limitless. The possibilities are limitless um, in what we can achieve because... In building that collective efficacy, not only are we working together and helping one another when when things are tough, we've got that resilience, we know from Jenny Donahue that this, the teams that the strongest sense of collective efficacy rode the storm of the pandemic much more effectively. So by helping one another, but an important, another really important part of um, collective efficacy or those high expectations and high aspirations we have of one another and of our learners, with and for our learners. So that's a really powerful concept, building that collective efficacy. So if our ambition, our Moomph fo- shop at you is about you know, our learners and, and, and building a system that is absolutely fit for purpose for every learner and for everyone, then the way we're going to do that is through collective responsibility and building that collective efficacy on the way.
0: It's that clever, nuanced combination of mindset and skill set, isn't it? A two Yeah. Together. You know, we finished our, our conversation with Pauline asking her what her aspirations or hopes might be for the Northern Alliance and the work that they're doing around the, the right drivers. And I wonder if we can pull this conversation towards a close by asking you the same question, you know, on on the back of this conversation tonight and the back of what you know, and you clearly know the Northern Alliance quite well from your own personal experience as well. You know, what Mm -hmm. are your hopes and aspirations for for the Northern Alliance and the work
1: that they're doing? Um, That it continues to go from strength to strength. When you've been at the nucleus of something and worked passionately with passionate educators, over the years, you know, I always I always keep an eye out, I always, I'm always following your news feeds and your Twitter feeds and everything, and I am delighted, and genuinely mean that, about the progress that's been made, about that shift, to practitioner-led, about the innovation and the collaboration that's come, and the continued trust. And, and genuinely, you know, it's, it's, when I was involved, you know, more directly, it's a time I look back on, not only with those tinted glasses, but also with joy. Because actually real passionate educators, sometimes in the most rural of settings, often in the most rural of settings with limited resources, limited connectivity, limited physicality and a rural deprivation. that I think other parts of the world often don't understand, even when you try and explain it and dare I say, sometimes aren't not interested in and that actually is your collective moral purpose. So for me, you know, my hope for the Northern Alliance is that it continues to strive, that it continues to innovate, that it, as it is doing, it is reaching out as well as learning from within. And I think, you know, that's, that's the sign of an of a organisation of whatever shape, size, makeup, layer that actually will support Scotland's outcomes, Scotland's young people, um, because we can't, you know, we can't just keep doing the same thing you know, therein is the definition of madness, et cetera. Um, and I think the fact that you've got connected practitioners connecting the classrooms, connecting the practice, and really importantly, connecting research and learning, keep that focus. That's my aspiration <laughs> for the Northern Alliance. And um, but that will see you through, I think, the change. And as I, I said in one of my earlier answers, you know, if we keep our young people, our collective and shared ownership and um, duty to young people, at the heart of your plans, which you clearly do, then actually I think the you know change that's coming across the whole layers of the system, actually hold for, hold fast to your plan, hold fast to that approach to put young, young people at the heart. And I think the Northern Alliance will, will continue to grow from strength to strength. And I wish it all the very best in that. Uh, it's interesting, I was reflecting Sarah earlier on today that you know one of the last things I did in a previous job was an event for the Northern Alliance before I moved into this job and when this comes out this will be one of the last things that I'll do in, in the role as in, uh, that I'm in currently. So for me that coming full circle has been really personally satisfying as well so thank you for the opportunity to, to share and, and to talk with you as well. Thank you and thank you both for your time but
0: also for your honesty and candidness in the conversation as well so it's, it's much appreciated, thank you. end of episode 1 I encouraged you to think about your aspirations for the Northern Alliance and to think about how you can be a part of making that happen. We've touched on hearts, minds, moral purpose, collaboration, courage, trust, flexibility and being brave and I'm sure much more than that as well. So I'll leave you with another question. What's been of most interest or use to you and what are you going to do now?